Welcome to the Total Wireless Store, where total confidence awaits. I need to keep up with my teens this summer without sweating high cell phone bills. Don't worry. You got this with Total Wireless. We have plans to fit all your family's needs starting at just 25 bucks on the nation's best 4G LTE network. I won't miss a thing. Now you can focus on the important stuff, like arguing about curfew. Discover the Total Wireless stores and get total confidence. The latest phones, the best network, all at great prices. Now open in L.A. Refer to the latest terms and conditions of service at TotalWireless.com. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Men and Women Talk, the Mars Venus Show. I am your host, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I am so happy to be here with you tonight. We have an excellent expert panel, and we're going to have a lot of fun tonight and, and talk about a very serious topic. So, uh, so sorry about that. Somebody called right as we were getting started. But anyway, so uh, I, I want to uh, introduce my wonderful panel, and I'm going to start off with the lady of the group. This lady, I'm a huge admirer of, of her. She is one of the coolest people uh, around doing her thing. It's the one and only Miss Patricia A. Murray. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Thank you for those kind words. Oh yeah, you know I'm I'm your biggest fan. So anybody who says they're a bigger fan than me, we're gonna have to arm wrestle for that title. So, so uh, tell uh, give everybody a little bit uh, background on you and you know uh, where you come from and what you you know the Durham Skyrider. Okay, um, well I'm originally from Chicago and that's where I got my start in community media um, with the Southside Scoop and. Uh, uh, Scoop Radio on WHPK. Shout out to Chicago. Um, now I'm living in Durham, North Carolina. I moved here to care for my aunt who had Alzheimer's. Um, I continued with my media work. Um, I eventually started a, a paper that was pretty much identical to my Chicago paper, only it's called the Durham Skywriter. And it's completely different now because it's no longer in print. Now it's online. Um, I did Radio Skywriter on W. NCU um, on the beautiful campus of North Carolina Central University, one of our great HBCUs. Um, I'm no longer with them. Everything's online now. So now I do my show, TV Skywriter, on YouTube using the same uh, instrument you're using, which is Google Plus Hangouts. And on the side, I DJ as DJ Pity Pat. I make toys and games as Pity Pat Crafts. And um, uh, I do make videos. And something else I do, I can't remember. I'll think of it later. All it's right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say on these topics that we're going to talk about tonight. Now, it's interesting. I, I, I actually forgot that you were a D, that you are a DJ as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you have so many tools in your toolbox. It's hard to keep up sometimes. But uh, uh, our next uh, panelist, he was on from the very beginning of the show. It's the one and only Finn, and Finn is a DJ as well. Huh. Uh, so how are you doing, Finn? Hey, how you doing, Kente? What's going on? I'm I'm doing good. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, you you know, and you're a DJ as well. Yeah, Finn, also known as Christian Wren on Facebook. Um, as Kente said, I started a few years back uh, with the show. Um, was an occasional panelist on there. Um, I, as he said, I DJ, also known as DJ Super Ugly. Um, I have a radio station, Ugly Radio. Check that out, uglyradio.com. Uh, shameless plug. 
Um, other than that, I like to hang out and, uh, like I said, pop on here whenever Kente allows me. I'm still waiting on my, my royalties, though. Uh, <laughs> the, the check has not come yet. So, you know, other than that, I just like to hang out and have fun and uh, voice my opinion whenever it's, it's possible. The royalties are in the mail, my brother. Oh, and I am from Detroit, by the way. Just so if I steal something, you know why. <laughs> All right. And you know what's funny about Finn is if you're not friends with him on Facebook, you, you should be. But uh, he's very funny cat. And uh, but he has the kind of humor that uh, your girlfriend will smack you on the back of the head for laughing at uh, some of his jokes. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta watch out for it brother Finn, but he's a hilarious guy and he's always has great insight when he comes on the show. So thank I'm you. I appreciate that. that. All right. Going in order. Uh, the next gentleman, uh, I'm a, also a huge admirer of his work. This guy, uh, once again, another, a lot of the, the people on this panel, most of the people except for Finn, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, when Blab was around and this gentleman all the way from Canada, uh, does his thing. It's the one and only Dr. Vibe. How you doing, Dr. Vibe? I am blessed, highly favored, a magnet for miracles and a solution for someone's problem. Patricia Kinte Finn, thank you so much. What's up? Oh, man, you know, we're doing our thing. And, you know, how can people get the Dr. Vibe show and what can they expect when they get it? Well, the Dr. Vibe show is at the D-R-V-I-B-E-S-H-O-W. You go there, you'll get over 2,000 epic conversations that I've done. Yes, yes. And all brilliant work. And like I said, I'm a huge admirer of your work, man. Right back at you. I'm an admirer of yours. And thank you so much for inviting me to another epic conversation that you're going to have. All right, yes. All right, our next gentleman, this guy, uh, you know, I... I once again, these are all people that I admire, love their work. This guy used to do this wonderful show called The 42% with uh, Miss Stephanie Goldston. I believe that's how you pronounce mm -hmm. her name, right? That's it. And uh, who's a fabulous person as well who's been on this show. Um, this guy is, I didn't realize, is a, a car guy as well. BMWs is his, mm -hmm. his poison. Uh, um, it's the one and only Brooklyn Taylor. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, it's great to see you. Yeah, we've had some really incredible conversations. Um, you know, I've done a lot of work as a matchmaker and dating coach. Um, my day job the last three decades has been in aerospace. I've been an avionics inspector and, um, and I have a master's degree in aeronautical science. So I've been around the world working on helicopters and airplanes and um, doing that that type work. Um, my love, my hobby is cars. I'm with the BMW Car Club of America. I'm their chief marketing officer. Um, I didn't have a lot of marketing experience when I started that, but you know, I just have so much love for the product and I do so many shows that um, they just asked me to do that. And it's been last few years, it's been working out great. Um, so that's that's my thing. Um, I'm passionate about love, relationships, dating. I'm passionate about um, us getting a fair shake in the black community. And um, I'm passionate about the things I do with aerospace. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of a jack of all trades things. It's only a few things, but they're all things that I'm pretty knowledgeable about. So it's always good to, to um, talk to you, Kente, and, and it's great to meet all of you. So not only... Can he help you get a lady? He can 
teach you how to take her out uh, on a date to outer space. So, you know, you can't, right. <laughs> you can't go on. <laughs> right. Don't do it on the first date because uh, if you take her to outer space on the first date, she only can top it uh, if you take her to uh, Mars. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I hope you're speaking metaphorically because my budget won't account for anything else until <laughs> they get them royalty checks. Well, you know what? I'm gonna make sure you get those royalty checks so you can start taking your women to the to the outer space. <laughs> I'm kind of cheap though. Do I? You know, can we get a one seater and they can sit in the back or <laughs> uh, a one seater? <laughs> it'll be a it'll be a BMW uh, spaceship. Okay, I'm going with that. <laughs> All right. And last but definitely not least, this brother is, you know, I, once again, another person I admire uh, for he's a young cat, but he has great business savvy. Um, this guy's doing his thing out there in the the, um, the Jersey, New York area, owns many businesses and, uh, you know, just always has great insight. It's the one, the only Aaron. How you doing, Aaron? Aaron's on mute. Sorry, I had you on mute. Yeah, yeah, I had you on mute. I'm sorry. I'm doing good. How's everybody doing? Pretty good, man. Right. I'm always happy to talk to you and chop it up with you, brother. Um, always looking forward to hearing your insights, man. But but how's it been going since the last time we, we talked? Uh, it's been going great, man. Uh, expanding the, the vision, the mission. Um, you know me, just, just, I'm always steady. I'm always focused. But how's everything with you? Everything's good. This guy has an empire, man. I love it. So he's like, uh, yeah. You want to see it? Let me, uh, yeah. Can let's I turn see the it. Can I turn the camera on this? Yeah. Let's see it. He's like, wherever yeah. the sun touches, that's what I own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. That's it right there. Oh, that's the, dope, the man. First, the first of uh, of many. The first of many. Uh, man, that that is dope, man. And I can't wait to get some donuts uh, <laughs> from when I go there. So, yeah, I'm still gonna charge you though. I don't think I'm. Hey man, hey, I, I'll, I'll gladly, I'll gladly <laughs> buy your donuts, man. I, I believe in in helping, uh, you know, in taking care of that. So. Support, yes, support. All right, so and let's Dr. get Bob. Uh, good to see you too. We were supposed to talk a while ago. Good to see you. Yes. Right back at you, brother. Hope everything's keeping good. Yes, sir. Excellent. All right, so our topic tonight is negative stereotypes that affect black men and women. And um, as any topic that I ever do on this show, it's always a reason behind it and whatnot. And I really wanted to talk about this topic because there's negative, there's negative stereotypes or perceived uh, positive stereotypes that are also negative as well. And you know, there's some stereotypes that they attribute to us, black folks, that on some levels you can say is a positive one, but it's really maybe negative and possibly it holds us back. So I wanted to kind of go over some things that they say about us and kind of, kind of, you know, and talk about everybody's experiences when it comes to stereotypes or stereotyping. And, um, I'm so glad that uh, we have Patricia on the show as well because I always want to have uh, a female perspective, if, you know, on on most shows. So you got to hold it down for all the sisters. Oh so, boy, no so, pressure. No pressure at all. No, no pressure at all. So uh, I think I'm gonna start with you, Patricia, and talk about just different stereotypes. And there's a lot of stereotypes that are attributed to African American women, and 
one of the ones is um, attitude, right? That's the one that you see you hear quite a bit is, um, you know, uh, sisters, they, they spicy. They got, you know, the attitudes, you know, they, they're hard to deal with. And that's something that you, you hear quite a bit. And I always wonder, I wonder to get from your point of view, because uh, you, know, you seem like a very nice, calm sister that I know. So uh, what do you think about that stereotype as attributed to black women a lot often? Well, I, I honestly think that a lot of the stereotypes of black people in general are, this is just my opinion, but I think sometimes writers, I don't necessarily mean only Hollywood, but it includes Hollywood, uh, mainstream media, just stories about us in general, they, they need to, for some reason, make a distinction between white and black. Right. Uh -huh. And I feel sometimes our stereotypes are almost made necessary by the fact that the white writers think that they have to make some kind of a huge distinction between the races. And I think the only thing they could really pin on uh, black women um, is, is, you know, like the angry black woman and sassy and now I know that there is, uh, there are a lot of black women who are really sharp-witted and uh, have acerbic wits and um, they can, like my, my mom was very gentle, but she could insult you in such a way that you didn't realize it. You know, <laughs> she could have people snickering at you. And if you're not educated enough, let, let me just give a quick example. Um, my mom used to, uh, she was a part of this social girls club or ladies club, and they dress up and go out to eat. So they were in downtown Chicago, and this is back in the 60s when Chicago was still extraordinarily segregated. And so they went, they were in the fine arts building downtown, and the young white waitress threw a menu at them, and she was very insulted by their very presence. And she bragged to my mom, who called her out on her, her ignorance and her rudeness. Um, and the lady bragged that she didn't really have to work there. She only worked there because her boyfriend owned the place. And she had a fancy um, hotel. You know, she lived in a fancy hotel, whatever. So mom put uh, two and two together. And she said, oh, so I take it you're a strumpet then. And the other ladies around her were giggling. I mean, she should she could have called her a hoe, but that's ghetto. My mom wasn't ghetto. So she called her a strumpet instead. And the young white girl was so confused. She was kind of like, huh? And every and the other one were just giggling and a couple people around her, you know, because she was so loud with it. They were they were laughing at her, basically. Um so we're not really depicted in that way, but I think there are more black women who are like that, you know, subtle but witty than than um, sharp tongued and 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 how can I put it? Um, what's that word you use? Spicy. Spicy, yeah, spicy. Yeah. And and also look, it ain't wrong, you know, if a sister want to say you a hoe. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I don't think there's. Yeah, a... but they were all dressed up, and that would have really brought them down. You mm. know, um, my mom was real good at keeping up. Uh, what's the phrase? Keeping up appearances. Mm. 
Mm. And, and, and I just want to let people know, if you want to call in, the number is, we have a new number is 323-825-3863. Once again, that's 323-825-3863. And I see that there's a lot of people in the chat room. I mean, they're, uh, they're watching, but not in the chat room. Please come in the chat room. Let us know that you're there. We will acknowledge you. And if you have any questions, I will relay them to the panel. So I just wanted to get that out there. So, um, and I want to ask you another question too about, about that. And we're going to open it up to the, the fellas too about some of these uh, stereotypes. Do you feel like there are times where you don't want to give people what they may expect being that you're a sister, you know, uh, mm. so you, you make sure you go the other way because you don't want to feed into a certain stereotype such as the spicy ghetto or whatever. To, to be honest with you, I think because of the way I was brought up, um, I kind of don't give people what they're expecting or want anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so actually for me to act stereotypically black would take in a way, it would take an effort because, I don't know, we weren't brought up stereotypically black. We were brought up to be extraordinarily proud of being black, but because I didn't grow up in the neighborhood I was born in, which was Woodlawn, the low-income area, we moved to Chatham, which was uh, middle income when I was two. And we didn't have to worry about um, appearances and, and how we carried ourselves. Um, we were free to be ourselves and didn't have to worry about um, fitting into to really tightly defined so-called ghetto uh, stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Now, now I'm gonna ask the guys the same question. You guys all, you guys all have um, really nice jobs, and you know, some are in the corporate sector, some are you know just dealing in the public and whatnot. Do you ever feel? Dope. <laughs> do you ever feel like you know they expect something from me you know being that i'm black so i'm gonna make sure i go out the way to not give it to them I, as black men do you guys do that or do you just just be yourselves because i know a lot of cats that really they really sweat that they don't want to be like the the dude they people expect possibly i think that it's what's important um is, you know, I've been in a lot of situations, you know, over the last four and a half decades where I'm the only black person, you know, whether in the Marine Corps, in the corporate world, or in some, you know, in some, some aspect of life or some aspect of travel. Um, and to me, it's, it's about being yourself. And it's about recognizing that Black people are not this um, monolithic group that some white people think we are. Like, mm -hmm. just because a white person is surprised that you're intelligent, surprised that you're smarter than them, surprised that you um, that you have a certain background or certain education, or that you can hold a conversation about something that may not even be your field. You know, like I'm, I, I, I can have a conversation with a um, with an orthologist about birds because I like birds. When I was a kid, we read a lot. We 
my parents had us reading. We, we went to the library every day after school. And so I was interested in birds. I learned a lot about birds. And um, I just think that's cool, right? So we don't, we shouldn't worry about what other people think or because it's, that's not true freedom. You know right. what I'm saying? Like there's oppression and then there's you being in your head worrying about what people are going to think because you're black. If somebody's a Klansman, they don't, there's nothing you can do <laughs> to stop them from hating black people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to go about your, you have a whole entire life to lead. You know, um, when you go somewhere, like I went to Cedar Rapids, Iowa a couple years ago, and I was there for a week and like five, there were zero black people in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, you know? And so about, I think the fifth day, I walked into a Chick-fil-A restaurant and there was a black woman on the other side of the restaurant and she she like literally ran over to me. Like, <laughs> like she ran over to me like, like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm I'm here for work. What are you doing? And her and her husband had moved there like two months earlier and they hadn't seen any black people since they moved there. Um, and a lot of America is like that. And a lot of the planet is like that. You know, if you're from like, I'm from New York City. If you're from New York, if you're from LA, um, if you're from Dallas or Houston, you know, it, you're going to see other people like you. But right. if, you're, if you're not, if you go to some of these places in Oregon, some of these places in Iowa, like they think some weird things. Like when I was in Marine Corps boot camp, I was there with people who had never seen a black person in person at, all <laughs> i mean at all they and they thought some wild things oh you know i heard black people have tails i heard i mean it was just it seems extremely racist because it was but i mean we can't worry about that mm. I mean, you have to protect yourself if you think somebody looks funny or you know is a clansman or serial killer or something yeah you got to protect yourself but you can't live your life you worry yourself to death worrying what other people think about what black people are supposed to be like Mm. That's how I look at it. What about you, Doctor Vibe? Uh, um, is that you just be yourself? I imagine, right? You don't you don't worry about stuff like that. Yeah, well, I, I'm very blessed because during the during the daytime, I work at an in an all black environment, mm. and it's the first time in my journey that I've had uh, had that situation. But I, I I just I just be myself because you know what? If you can't be yourself, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Indeed, you're in trouble now. And I think one of the key things, too, is that whenever you're dealing with someone, being able to deal with them at their level. Right. I think it's a very, and they also have to be willing to deal with you at your level, too. So it goes both ways. So, you know, stereotypes, you know, we're gonna, I'm sure we'll talk about those stereotype things, but I'm sure everyone can experience that they've talked to someone on a phone. And then when they meet you face to face, you see that dumbfounded look. <laughs> On their face, saying, "You can say, you can tell that they're saying, oh, you're black.' You can right. see that that look on their face. You know, you sounded white, but you're black. You know, like, I, and I don't know if we ever had those lines said to us. Oh, you're pretty intelligent for a black person. You're really <laughs> smart. Or, yeah, right. Oh, you speak right. so well. You yeah, know. exactly. You know, and I said, well, yeah, well, my dad was a teacher for 38 years in the same school. Yeah, he was. I do speak well, and I got a university degree. 
Next. Do you do you guys ever get this? Like maybe you're on a job or something and it's not a lot of black people, and you get that black person who they they act like they're in slavery or something. They're like, you can't act like that. You know, they start whispering, you know, like yeah. You know? <laughs> no. Like you you yeah, you can't be like that. They're they gonna let you go. <laughs> you know, hmm. that always cracks me up. That guy, he's like, he's like terrified to, you know, they, or or you get these black people who they don't want to eat fried chicken in front of white people, you know, or the watermelon or something, because they they oh, think sure. that they're yeah, gonna that's, think something. Yeah, that's understandable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, man, I eat fried chicken anyway. <laughs> Usually, there's white people eating fried chicken with you. Though. That's the thing. <laughs> right. Right. But there's people, there's black folks who really like trip over that stuff. Like they really are like consumed with it. And and a lot of times if you ever meet people who are in a corporate setting who, you know, uh, and where they may be one of the few, you know, black people that are in that setting, they, they really are conscious about anything they do to be perceived. And there's one thing that I definitely want to talk about is uh and i must i'm gonna go to aaron first on this uh aaron how tall are you i'm six four okay so you six four you very tall i'm six feet tall mm -hmm. uh dr vibes pretty tall guy uh brooklyn's tall um when you a big black dude mm -hmm. there's a lot of like if, if you if you almost gotta be docile because if you show a little yeah. bit tiny anger then all of a sudden it's like the it's like oh it's just the worst you know so i I'll typically i don't care personally i don't care say something crazy to me it's it's coming back it, it, and it's going to be better i mean tip really worse but it's going to be better than what, what you said right so your anger you can't just be angry like you can't it's, like, i mean it's levels to to the anger because no matter no matter what type of setting you in, you got to be mindful of you're a black person. Mm -hmm. So if you go off, well, automatically they're gonna think you're just the angry black guy. I'm the nicest man in the world, but I could walk into a boardroom and they just, oh my god, he's six four, twenty seven. Oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Automatically, that they 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 have that fear. Then they say something wrong, and I and I say something. It's, it takes it to another level. So you, you have to be conscious of, of how you react and, and if you're overreacting to the situation. Mm. And, and your normal human reaction can be perceived as like a threat, you know? And it don't even yeah, have to, to be to physical. Certain people. It don't even have I'm, to be I'm physical. A, a threat. It really doesn't. I'm, I'm a threat. Well, that's I, what we see every day. We see... We see uh, skinny young white dudes shooting up entire schools and going away in cuffs, and you see black people, you know, minding their business, getting the police calls on them, getting shot, you know, while trying to enter their own homes or getting harassed or getting, you know, hurt. I mean, it just it just is what it is. But at the same time, we're you're we're people like we're adults. And the thing about being black in America for the duration of the time black people have been in America, you're always an adult. This is how a 12-year-old like um, Tamir Rice 
can get shot. This is how, uh, um, you know, this is how a 50-year-old man can get shot in the back. Like, you, you're never too old and you're never too young to be a threat. Um, so, you know, while you're being cognizant of that, you know, um, you know, as a, as a human at 6'4", 255 pounds, I'm a big human, right? But I'm bigger. It's almost like being a mutant or something. It's like I, I'm bigger because I'm a black guy. You see what I'm saying? Like, literally, when I work with white guys that are exactly my size or a little bigger, they think I'm bigger than them. They right. treat me like I'm bigger than them. I'm not. I'm not big. I'm looking right at you, you know, but we're treated as bigger. And, you know, and so your size doesn't matter. This is how women and children are still treated the same way by police. You know, like people don't bat an eye when the, when four police jump on a black woman. Um, right. So we so but as a as a man and as a and as an adult, I'm not going to let you treat me crazy because I know um, you know, how black people are treated. I'm still a grown up. So I, I'm going to have to say something. Or I'm going to have to do something if it comes to it. I mean, and that's just, yeah. you know, like, that's what it is. A, a lot of times, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. I'm so sorry. No, no I'm done. A lot of times when I, when I am with, um, when I am in a meeting or, or if I do have, uh, well, lately it's been a lot of business London, but I'm, I'm the only black guy there. If I choose to bring my father, or I, who I'm in business with, so we're the only black people there, and he's bigger than me. Mm. He constantly tells me, and it's weird because I, I know it now. He constantly tells me how to dress, and to me, it's like he's saying sometimes it's okay to conform, meaning like, look, you have to look like this in order to be respected. You have to act this way in order to be. Um, just, just looked at on the same level. When nine times out of ten, at this point, we're, we're on a different level, and they're coming to us. And and me personally, I hate it because they can come in a, in jeans and a t-shirt, and we can we can seriously do we we can do something, put some to, something together. I have to show up in a three-piece suit just to be thought as as the equal. Right, you can't be no flip flop. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's. Uh, I think you asked the question earlier. That, that's what I really wanted to say. There, there's a comedian named uh, Kamal Bell, mm -hmm. and he he wrote a piece um, saying, "I think Kamal is like six four, something like that. He's not very big, but he's six four. And he said that it was really kind of sad that he became aware." that he slouches a lot. And especially when he's around uh, white people, if he gets on an elevator with a white woman, um, he makes sure that he, that he makes himself as small as possible. And he doesn't put his hands in his pockets and he takes short steps. And he, he said he really became aware of it and he felt really bad about it when he realized that his very presence um, in his opinion, frightened others, and that he had to work so hard to work against that. 
by making himself smaller, shorter, and um, almost docile in, in, in uh, demeanor. Mm -hmm. so, so it's not to frighten white people, white Shaq, women in particular. Shaq said, I heard this out of his own <laughs> mouth, that he crafted his image as the goofball guy that he is. He said he did that purposely so that so that white people would feel comfortable around him. He said he said that out of his own mouth, that he's the goofy guy. Like he purposely did that because he was afraid that if he was, you know, more like, you know, tougher, that he wouldn't, white people would be too afraid of him and he couldn't, you know, sell shoes or whatever. So that's why he made himself into this goofball. And you see this like in Hollywood, there's a lot of brothers that, that go to goofball role, like uh, Terry Crews does the goofball thing. Um, what's the brother uh, from the Green Mile that passed away? He's a goofball uh, to somebody touching him. Michael Clark Dunson. I, well, I, I don't know about Terry Crews because remember he, you know, he got he let somebody tickle his balls, but uh, you know. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know about that one. I don't think I want to though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he, he filed in charges. Uh, I know people are gonna say that it's mean for me to say that, but but anyway. So you know, um, and it's interesting. A lot of these real big guys, these big brothers they really go out their way to make sure that, you know, they have like kind of a goofball edge to them. Um, you know, The Rock to a certain degree does that, uh, you know, but he's, I think he's a little bit, uh, because of his wrestling background and that he's, you know, Paul Mooney says something like that. Mm -hmm. um, one of his comedy shows about, uh, what is his name? Uh, it, it, was a, it was about a different comedian. And he was saying like how he's getting on, he's getting where he's at because he's, Pretty much conforming to white people, he's pretty much like what was his name? Not Aries Spears, the other, the other Kevin, guy. Uh, Kevin Hart. No, not Kevin Hart, but he Tracy I, it, it come to me, yeah. Tracy Morgan, mm -hmm. he was uh, conform, no, not Tracy Morgan, he was on um, not Saturday Night Live, the other, the other show that really wasn't funny, Chris Rock. No, it come to me. But he, he was saying, like, how he's always smiling around people, how he's always a nice black guy, how he's, uh... Wayne Brady? What? Yes, Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady, Brady. Yeah, He yeah. was talking about how he's always grinning and, and, and things like that. He, he was speaking about the same thing you're speaking about now, Kenta. Mm -hmm. Will Smith is an interesting person, too, because I just seen an interview with him where he said that he is now getting to a point where he can feel comfortable being himself that it took a guy trying to kiss him on a red carpet and him slapping him and he said he was uh, like afraid of the backlash and when people were like yeah that's right you you know you showed that guy you know and he said wow i can kind of start to you know he was like actually afraid to be himself and that's a recurring thing that i i see a lot of times with black folk is they're afraid to be themselves like you know they're afraid to at the office party sometimes to eat that fried chicken, you know, they'd be looking at it too. They'd be like, <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm going to pass it up, you know? And a lot of it is because of these negative stereotypes that, that um, surround us. And I always appreciate the person who is bold enough to be them. If you are that person and that's who you are, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, you know, and it doesn't fit the stereotypes like you, like you were saying, Patricia, um, that's who you are. You're not putting on an act, right? You, you know, it's it's kind of funny. Um, 
when a white person is serious, the black person who asks the same way is is brooding or or, or yeah. sulking. You know, when when a when a white person, especially a woman, goes off, she's maybe protecting her brood or 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 expressing herself. The black woman is always going to be viewed as crazy and and um, super angry. Uh, a black woman can't express herself in anger without being depicted as someone who is out of place. I, you know, the the uh, and I hate to keep going back to Hollywood, but you know, they had the whole situation with Monique and um, you know, the whole thing with the, the uh, was it Netflix? And um, you know, uh, so she, you know, said that she has this issue with Netflix and all of this stuff, and people really attacked her. But like, you know, okay, re refresh. Her... Re I'm I'm not really good with the Hollywood thing. What what happened very quickly? So, so uh, Monique, the the comedian and actress, uh -huh. um, she uh, she basically accused Netflix of being racist uh, because mm -hmm. of. Um, they they offered her like this bad deal or whatever, right? Okay, okay. So so she made this whole push about econ e economic uh, equality and gender equality, okay. right? And um, so and everybody jumped on her, right? Because they felt like it wasn't right what she did, what she was saying. But not even a, a couple of months before that, Amy Schumer did the same thing, used That's the right. same the same basis for it. And she got $3 million more, and everybody said, go, girl. Okay. <laughs> you know. But if we're going to talk about that, you got to understand, too, that Amy Schumer had just made a movie that did really well, and then she uh, sold out Madison Square Garden. So mm -hmm. it's not always about color. It's about rele relevancy. You know, um, Monique was on this perch that, oh, I'm a legend. You should pay me. But she hadn't done anything in 15 years. Mm, you know, but, but Big Daddy Kane is a legend. He's a legend. But he can't come right now and go, hey, I want the same money Jay-Z's getting or or some of these other guys are getting because he's not, for lack of a better, better word, relevant at the time. You know what I mean? So that was my issue with her was that, you know, do something and then come talk about why you're not getting paid. You know, you, can't just come out, you just can't wake up from a 15-year nap and want the same <laughs> money everyone else is getting. Well, okay. Well, to be well, fair, I, while okay, yeah. I don't think that Monique was blazing hot, that example, I know, I can't 100% co-sign that example because Dave Chappelle literally disappeared for a decade, and Monique, like Monique, okay, that, won that, an Oscar. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Dave hold on. Dave, no, no, not only that, but Dave Chappelle had been touring prior to that and been selling out shows. Chris Rock had been touring and selling out shows. <laughs> yeah. So the people she no, cited were for, I don't like were that I would put her right. on on their level, nor do I, nor do, am I saying that she deserved whatever she thought she was, she was going to get or could get. What I'm saying is that like, I think Amy Schumer's whack. I mean, Me too, I mean, yeah. personally. And, uh, but again, I, there's some, there's a lot of music I think is whack that goes flat. Exactly, exactly. It's not about what I think is whack. Exactly. But I think that she had, <laughs> I think that the backlash, like, America has two types of backlash, right? You have the backlash from, you know, if you're black, America has two types of black backlash. The backlash from the black community, the backlash from the, the rest of the, of the country at large. 
Monique suffered backlash in the black black community and in the white community or the mainstream community because of of you know whatever kind of tirades. And I didn't see all of it. Maybe she had some videos and she was calling for boycotts or whatever and stuff like that. But what I'm saying is that I think that it goes the 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 wave can just go really it went really hard against her. You know what I'm saying? Like for instance, when I remember when Kanye took Taylor Swift's mic. He took her mic for maybe twenty seconds. Mm-hmm. Said that he, that Beyonce should have won the award, gave it back. I remember going to work, right? And white guys literally saying they wish he killed him or someone killed him. Right. Like well, I, literally I, literal and, and, and he was he was like he wasn't blackballed, but he had a problem for like a year behind that. He okay. didn't shoot nobody, kill nobody, he didn't hurt the girl. So there's like backlash. And then now the same people, the same white guys, this dude is standing next to Donald Trump with blonde hair. Now like suddenly they're Kanye fans. So like right. it's just it's just weird. I just I just want to touch on that. The the issue though is that I'm sorry. Um geez, I forgot my point. I'm so sorry. Give me one second. <laughs> Um, okay. Right. Okay. Here, here's the deal with Monique. First and foremost, Monique prior to that had uh, flamed Tyler Perry and Oprah Winfrey on something. I forgot what the issue was, but she went at them really hard and that was it. Now here comes this issue now and she wants to cry racism and whatever and sexism. The problem is that it wasn't racism. It wasn't sexism and it dilutes the whole argument. That's my issue. If it's not truly racism and you cry racism, you dilute when it actually is racism. And that was yeah. a big issue to me. Well, you, you know can make, I mean? but my, 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 the point I was really making, whether you agree with what Monique said or not, there were white female counterparts that were doing essentially the same thing. It wasn't just her. And nobody ever had any criticism for them at all. Whether and, and you could put them in a similar boat to her, or you could put her in a similar boat to other people. You could take Amy Schumer out of it, the whole Michelle Williams uh, situation, the whole uh, Patricia Arquette. You can go down the list. And it was uniform support. But when she did it, then it was all of a sudden, we're not uniform supporting, it's go F yourself. Okay, I'm not from, I'm not familiar with those arguments, so I can't comment. I just know I felt that Monique was it was not a racist issue, it was not a sexist issue, and she tried to use those two flags, and it was whack to me because you like so you dilute the whole argument when you cry racism and it's not racism. Well, but like I said, it doesn't really matter. The point I'm really making is that you know they all cried. And they got they, what they were, wanted. Did they, did, they, did they cry as loud as Monique? Monique yeah. went everywhere. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't hear But Monique went everywhere to my let's boycott Netflix and let's do this. She went Patric- on radio Patricia shows. Arquette, you know what Patricia Arquette said after she won the Academy Award? It's time for black people to start supporting white women because we've supported y'all. Uh, <laughs> like, like, what the? That's huh? crazy, crazy. That's crazy. Right. And so, again, I'll what? tell you, I'm not aware of that. So that but that's definitely crazy. So, but that but, is really wild. Yeah, like we've been that somebody turn her wild. mic off. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so you know whether you agree with Monique or not, what the point I'm saying is, look, is there are you know to get back to the topic of stereotypes because I, I I don't want to keep it on the the Hollywood thing is that 
you know, being a black person in in America, you are constantly uh, bombarded with how you should act, right? And yeah. um, one of the and, and, and how you should feel. How you should feel, right? Right. How you, you should know. feel about what's happening to you. Right. You know, it, it, which is the the most bizarre. It's like the um, the uh, the national anthem thing, right? Is like I, you know, I don't stand for it, right? And I will have, you know, I, I go to games all the time. I go to Dodger games, basketball, uh, NBA games, and all of that. And I will see, you know, I get dirty looks and all of that. And it's just so funny to me that you're gonna give me a dirty look. You know, like, you know, it, it's a choice that right. I that I've made, and I, and it ain't recently. I've done this consistently my whole life, so uh, I just don't stand for it. You know, and um, but, but that's just, your that's your right as an American. You know, right? And, and, you know, as a Marine, I'm saying, look, what you like? I didn't fight to come back and make you stand up. Right. You see what I'm saying? That's not what it's about. Like, people want to pick and choose their patriotism. You can't dodge the draft five times and then sit up here. <laughs> oh, and exactly. A person exactly. who was that born is. and raised in America who didn't dodge any grass, you know, what they can and cannot do. Like, you can't, you can't make it about how you feel about what I do with my freedom. You know? Mm. I mean, like, I was at a car show just this past weekend in Pittsburgh. And um, this is supposed to be one of these, uh, what is it, salt to the earth, you know, Americana places, right? We're on a golf course. They start, the, the race is about to start because the golf course and the race goes through the course and uh, the car races. And they, they, they play the national anthem. Hey, you know, my personal choice is to stand there and put my hand over my heart, right? Right. That's how I feel about it. But people are the same people who want to make America great again and, and, and got a problem with athletes at games. They're walking around. They're looking at cars. They're about, like, see what I'm saying? Like, right. why are you going to be patriotic on Sunday evening, but the other 300 and, you know, the other six days of the week, it doesn't matter. It only matters when a black person who you think gets paid too much you don't think the billionaire owners get paid too much. You think the guy risking getting paralyzed every time he goes out there. You think he gets paid too much. And that's what it is. It's hypocrisy. That, that, that even raises a bigger issue. Because that what they're really saying is, because you're able to make money, you you have to do what I, I, I let you make this money as a black person. Now, you you got to stand for this answer. You... You're not a normal black person. You're not. You're not a black person like everybody else. So stand for this. Stand for this. But that's not what American because you're about. rich. American freedom is about doing what you what you feel like doing in that situation, as long as you're not harming anybody else. Right. Peaceful. Peaceful not, demonstration. Right. People when he when he doesn't stand, he's just not standing. Right. You know, and that's your option. If you're whether you're in second grade or whether you're an adult at a game. Or a player, Dr. Vibe, you, you started to say something. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things and a common theme I'm hearing through this conversation is why do people who are non-black think that many of us are angry? And we we have a lot of reasons to be angry. Amen. So 
putting it as a stereotype because we have the stereotype of the angry black woman. We also have the stereotype of the angry black man. But if people would see what many of us have gone through, we have the right to be angry. Right. It's not a stereotype. It's a true fact that has bases based, if not on us direct, directly, either friends, family, our ancestors, we have a right to be angry. It's not a stereotype, it's a right. right. I like to bring up two things when, um, when I'm in conversations, especially with non-blacks about this issue. And that is number one, when it comes to uh, you know, protesting or whatever, that is the most American um, that's one of the most American things you can do, and that is protest. And all of us have the right to do that. Number two, um, and this really shuts white people up, not trying to shut them up, but I tell them, I said, no one, no one in this country knows the potential of the United States of America more than black people. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's worth protesting, it's worth caring enough to point out inadequacies and misgivings and and wrongs and injustice. Because we know more than anyone the potential of this country. Mm. I don't think anybody knows better than we do. Kinte, I don't know if you're going to get to it at this, uh, during this conversation, but there's also another subject to bring up stereotypes of black people amongst each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely have uh, some big ones. Uh, you know, a good one that's amongst each other. Uh, I, yeah, Finn, you have yeah something going on with, with your background. Um, there's some that's uh, against each other, and also the greater ones is uh, when it comes to black males. Is especially when you're younger. I feel like you almost have to fit in. A, a, like a couple of boxes. One is you're going to be the ultra tough guy, whatever, the athlete, possibly. If you are more on the, the brainier side, sometimes that can be an issue with you and you have a really hard time. Now, I think m- people generally have that issue, but I think a lot of times for black males, uh, especially, and even some and sisters too, um, that if you don't fit in these couple of boxes, sometimes uh, that can be tough as well. And that's something that sometimes we put on each other. It's like if you if you don't have swag, you know what I'm saying, coming up, uh, you know, you may you you may get it hard or whatnot. Um, I don't know what people what it was like for people growing up and what lane did they fit in. Um, it, it'll be really interesting. I know that uh, I know Aaron, you were an athlete coming up so um so you know i mean that is a stereotype but you're a very bright dude so i can imagine that you might have broken some of the athlete stereotypes uh coming up about like the the, the, the stupid athlete stereotypes right 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 oh yeah yeah. oh i I definitely broke the stupid stupid athlete stereotype because i I started on my own at a a young age when i was paralyzed so Mm. A lot of people were looking at me and did, did not even know that, for one, it was possible. Two, that didn't believe it was coming from me. And um, I I didn't, like, like I said, I didn't fit in any of, the, any of those boxes. And a lot of this 
the decisions I had to make at a young age, they weren't popular decisions. Mm-hmm. Like my friends were onto one thing. I was in the house reading books. So yeah, I was looked at as the nerd and I was looked at as the, the, the geeky type. And that just simply wasn't true. I just put a plan out for like the next couple of years of my life. So it wasn't like a, a, a sexy choice. Like I, but again, I didn't, I didn't really care about what they were thinking. All I, all I cared about was where I was going. So I, I, I did feel like that. And it, it was a lot of pressure from my, my parents, right. <laughs> like my siblings, my, my friends, from, from everybody. And then I'm from those type of communities where it's just like, they, they have nothing. So you, you put that pressure on it, on, on me. And it's just like, how can I, how can I even, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just got lucky and it's just, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm moving around. It's quite loud. But I, I guess I just got lucky and, and uh, they overcame it. Now, uh, Finn, uh, for example, uh, growing up, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say what you do, but you do something that's pretty dope. I'm in law enforcement. We can say that. I'm in law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, and um, so did you fit in those categories? Were you the geeky guy or were you the jock or what? how'd you... Actually, I was an athlete, too, um, and a little bit um, academic, probably better at academics and athletics. So that kind of paved the way. But, um, yeah, I was kind of caught in between, you know, as he said, the uh, the dumb jock type deal, where my glasses under my helmet, things like that. So, you know, I went through that as well. How did how did women um, treat you? coming up in high school pretty yeah. bad <laughs> pretty bad <laughs> it was not very popular in high school i can i can be honest about that it was not unless they want to help with their homework you know so yeah see that's another thing too man going through that you know uh uh when you are that dude you know it, really skinny too so that didn't help i was really skinny 63 140 pounds so it could be a lonely road uh uh, what about you, Dr. Vibe? Uh, when you was in high school, th- which lane did you fit in? I was. I, I, I guess I was blessed that I was smart, and I also did the athletics thing. So I, I was on both sides of the fence. But uh, for me, education was most important. So, like, I, I remember when I graduated from high school, there were only two other people of color in my graduating class. Mm. So. Wow. You were you're always you were always on display, for lack of a better term. Plus, having parents, one was a teacher and the other one was a nurse, so there was even more pressure mm-hmm. because oh, your parents are really professionals, da da da. So it was it was always pressure and stereotypes. They always have to live up to. So it was uh, one one thing, and you just dealt with it. You just you just be yourself. And at the end of the day, with all this stereotype stereotype stuff, you gotta be either you're gonna be your own best friend or your own worst enemy. You gotta be tough, and there is sometimes a cost you have to pay to defeat these stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna ask the fellas about one particular stereotype. I think you can imagine what what it is. But I want to I want to I, I was pur- purposely gonna go to you, Patricia, and okay. then. Um, because I wanted to say some, something about the athletics, too. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And I'll, I'll get to what I was going to say to you. It's just a funny story. I, actually, I'm going to point out, I was actually in athletics, too. I played on the school's uh, girls' basketball team. 
Um, but oh. I was I was an extraordinarily shy person that nobody noticed, I don't think. Um, kept to myself, only had a couple of friends. But I have a funny story about stereotypes. Um, when I was still living in Chicago, I was uh, a celebrity judge for the fire department's chili contest. Oh, wow. Now, if most people know about segregation in Chicago, it's the, the black firemen is, is quite a rare specimen indeed. Practically all of them are white right. still. Maybe, maybe to this, it might be different now, but back then in, in the early, in, in the late 1990s, it was still mostly white. So anyway, I was a celebrity judge. Um, uh, it was an interesting, I, I don't wanna make the story too long, but let's just say I got to see I felt like Jacques Cousteau. I was seeing white people in their own environment being stereotypically white and comfortable within their whiteness. And it was fascinating. In fact, I wrote about it and things changed drastically the following year. But let me tell you the story real quick. Their entertainment um, were two white guys with guitars doing what they thought was a Smothers Brothers satirical intelligent comedy music thing. They were quite, it, it, they, were, they were really bad. Anyway, so they're making ethnic jokes. A Mexican young man walked by them and said, yeah, my 57 Chevy's on blocks in front of your house. It's really stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. This young black guy walked in front of them and they said, hey brother, so you're on the football team, right? And the young man, he was surprised, you know, they, they were talking to him and he, and he was just like, no. He was a teenager, okay? He was like maybe 17. Okay. They said, so you're on the basketball team, right? And he said, no. Mm. Oh, come on, man. I, we know you're on the baseball team, right? He said, no. And, and they were like, well, what team do you play on? And he said, I, I'm, a, I'm on the chess team. <laughs> and they were like dumbfounded. <laughs> I was cracking up because they were so ignorant. And they, they totally deserved that. <laughs> they were so embarrassed. Well, I think you kind of answered what I was going to say about uh, about um, you uh, as a young woman. So I, I find it hard to believe you were unnoticed, Patricia. I'm sure a lot of people Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was real, real shy. Mm. Yeah. Well... There, okay, so there's there's po there's positive so-called positive stereotypes, and a lot of uh, uh, we're, we're going to talk about specifically directed at black males. There, uh, Brooklyn, are you there? Who? Uh, Bro uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay, I'm here. so oh. there's a, a stereotype <clears throat> that is often said about black men that uh, when it comes to the bedroom. You know, we have extra uh, knowledge in that area, and that's said to be a positive uh, uh, stereotype. And uh, you know, <clears throat> as a black male, um, as a black male, and having, I'm sure you've heard that stereotype. Do you think? Do you see that as a positive one, or do you see that as, as something that's potentially a negative one? Well, I, I mean, it's a positive stereotype if you can somehow, if that if that gets you um, the desired result and you can back <laughs> it up, 
yeah, it works out great. Um, and and if you can't, it doesn't. Like my 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 parents, my entire family is from Jamaica, mm-hmm. and Jamaicans have a whole other like like a whole other gear to it. Like like Americans are very, um, in my opinions, Americans can be very uptight. Jamaicans can be very conservative as well, but um, they're very proud of the culture in Jamaica is 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 sexual, mm-hmm. um, and it, and it, and people are very proud of their prowess, and so it's you know, as a black man in America, it is um, you know we're fetishized in a way, in a, in a big way. Like there's. There's racism in, in everything, but like the one, the whole Mandingo thing is like the one thing to kind of hang your hat on. Like that might, you might have <laughs> people inside and outside the community, um, you know, at least thinking, thinking that way. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I mean, it works out sometimes. Sometimes it's great. What, what, what You was going to say something, Finn? Yeah, I was going to say, but, you know, there's also the negative day. There, at least it used to be that black men didn't perform oral. So nowadays you can kind of, you know, blow their socks off when you actually do it, you know. Pun intended. Good point. Now, if you... Yeah. Uh, if oh, you wanted to... Funny, if, you're, if you're old enough, it was, it, was, it was so taboo, like, both things. Oh, like, if you're we used to get enough, ridiculed. Like, that was a joke that your friends would say something about. Oh yeah, you right. do so and so, and you got embarrassed or whatever. Yeah, right. If you if you're if you're old enough, you know, like these kids nowadays. I, I mean, you know, whatever. I don't want to call anybody a kid and offend anyone listening. But yeah, um, like me, don't don't be ages. So like, <laughs> it, like uh, or you know, when I was a kid, I'm 43. If it was like let's say 1995. You you know you would you would have to be it would have to be a long time girlfriend, you know, or or you know you would have to do a lot of convincing slash a woman would have to really 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 be into you for the oral sex to be happening, right? You know, but um you know if you talk to uh if you talk to people that are twenty two twenty three years old, like they don't even have to like the person for that to go down. They brag it, about it, it nowadays. It's pretty much reversed. They brag you know, about like, it. It's now. nothing. Like, you know, like, oh, you can get some oral, but I'm not going to kiss you kind of thing. It's, it's it's totally different than it was when I was, you know, a young man trying to do something. That's not a stereotype. That, that's true. Because <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm the youngest here. Uh-huh. And even though it's going to make me sound bad, I feel that way. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kiss you. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kiss yeah. you. Like, it's just, not, it's just not going to happen. Because that's personal. Yeah, because this is it's personal. It's it's more intimate, and I don't know why, but it's more intimate than a, a lot of other things. Yeah, they, they want to. But I do out. know, I do know culture culture shifts. So maybe maybe yeah. that's just a a, a cultural change. So as a good thing or a bad thing, who who really knows? But as but you know what the thing too, it, it's like I I'm old enough that when I was like. When I was around North Carolina A&T and Bennett, and when Little Kim and Foxy Brown were out, it was like groundbreaking, and they were saying all this stuff, and they were taking charge of their sexuality, and it was kind of like, uh, 
you know, a lake to the party, like feminism slash, you know, it was like women were okay to be free and get what they want. And I think that's what like flipped it over. And then every the things that weren't cool before were then okay. So, you know, well, we know we, I guess that's another show, but there's a lot of intersectionality between, you know, our music and our culture. And, uh, you know, just like when we, you know, when we were, um, when I was 18 and 19, 20, and I'm like listening to Mob Deep or whatever, like we listened to drug dealer music. We weren't drug dealers. You right. know, the hustle was, you know, like I joined the Marine Corps at 17. So my particular hustle was being a Marine, right? And, and working on helicopters for the Marine Corps. But the music I listened to was Mob Deep and Nas and Biggie and, and Jay-Z. And so it's like hustler music. But now the, the, the younger folks are listening to, to drug user music. Everybody's on lean, drinking purple drink. Everybody's taking all types of drugs. And, it, and it's just, it's like a different, it's like a different thing. And the music but is a part I, of honestly, it. Honestly, that's, 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 that's another thing with, with, with culture. Because this, this new generation, like you said, is the generation of the, is the, generation of the, uh, the crack baby. So a, a lot of them are listening to it because that's how they grew up. It's not like, like, like you said, that wasn't, uh, you were listening to Mob Deep, but you were fixing airplanes. Right. Well, a lot, of, a lot of my generation are listening to this drug user music because that's all they, they literally only know that. If their parents were actually crackheads. They mm -hmm. actually seen their parents high, or they they actually been on on drugs, so they do link. So they're so listening they to things like, that they mean, after they actually they not do. Using drugs? No, like no, we we because they made the drugs like popular. Well, it is popular because we're we're crack babies. My my generation. I was born in ninety one. That's the that's. That's when the, the, the right after the, the, the huge crack epidemic yeah. hit and my parents started having children. So yeah. we, we grew up with, with drugs in our system. Well, some of, them, some of us were born with drugs in our system. Right. So that's, all, that's literally all we know. So it's not like the, it's, it's being popularized. They're just speaking their reality at this point. Man, I was, yeah, in, eight, I was, I was in eighth grade when you were born. I graduated high school when he was born. From that perspective. Oh, wow. Thank you. Y'all feel old or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little, that makes a little bit. Very, very old. Um, you know. Uh, the alternative, though, King. Yeah, right. At least we, we are here, right? Still. We're here. Uh, um, but, Dr. Five, you brought up something, uh, stereotypes we have with each other. And um, one thing I always hear from Black folks about us is, oh, man, you know, uh, you know, uh, we can't get along. That's one. They'll say that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you, you can't let too many black people in a situation because it's going to mess it up for the rest of them. You know, they say BS like that and they keep regurgitating. This. Yeah. And then and then they, another talk. one, too, is that black the black community is harder on the homosexual community than um, other communities. That's something that we say that all the time. And. Uh, I feel like that's not necessarily true either. I think that's one of those things that that is uh, perpetrated as well. Um, there's like a, a ton of them. Um, 
now you you do so many conversations and talk about so many so much stuff, Doctor Vi. What are some um, of these negative uh, stereotypes that we put on each other? That's from your observation. I think another big one, and again, it's a whole separate conversation, is the whole issue of colorism. Colorism, yes. You know, that's a whole different perspective, and I think that some, you know, I, I think when it comes to stereotypes. I think it's more important that we address the stereotypes we have each other within our own blackness than what people who are non-black deliver with stereotypes. Because if we can get our act more together when it comes to stereotypes, it just makes us look better. And when when we have stereotypes amongst black people, what do you think people who are non-black are thinking about it? Say, hey, they're that way to each other, so that justifies us being like that to them. Yeah, but you know, to be honest, though, a lot of our stereotypes come from, you know, the media and what we're told. By well, just, it, but it's know. but again, it's like an it's like an old Public Enemy album. Don't believe the hype. <laughs> well, right. I, I think too that 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 cuts into sometimes. Unfortunately, we have to act as representatives. You know, we're in these situations. Um, a couple weeks ago, Kente, when I was supposed to be on the, the show and I couldn't, I was in California doing some training, again, law enforcement, and I was the only black person there. It was in Oceanside, California, not, not a lot of black people, or at least that I saw. And typically the black people they see are when they're locking someone up, you know, in the back of their car. So here I am forced to, you know, whether I want to be or not to be a representative, you know, and it's not really fair, but that's what they see, you know what I mean? That That's, that's the only positive black person they see. So yeah. you almost have to put it on your shoulders to not only say act a certain way, but at the very least be professional and show them that we're not all, you know, the way you may think we are. You know what? I, I meant to ask you, if I'm in Detroit again, um, if God forbid uh, I get into some trouble, I can just name drop you and I'll get of out. Of course. Let's tell them Finn. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so if I wake up in a hotel with a dead uh, hooker, I'd just be like, hey, Finn. <laughs> Come help yeah, me out. Give me a call. I got you. I got you. We're gonna get the royalty checks for sure. Then you gonna get a lot of checks. Help, help me out of something like that. But uh, yeah, that, that you know, yeah, I, I agree with you, um, Doctor Vibe. That we definitely need to stop doing the stereotypes because I hate it that we say so many things and we do it to each other, gender-wise too. Like brothers say stuff about sisters. That's, you know, we have our, our thoughts of how black women are and black women as well towards us. Uh, you know, it happens as well. And I, I really feel like there's like this civil war between black men and women. And um, a lot of it is because of these negative ideas that we have about each other as well. Uh, some of them are stereotypes. Uh, some, you know, um, some stereotypes can be true, but but you know, true in a vacuum, right? Because we're all different people, right? So some people fit into it, a lot of people don't, right? So just, uh, I want to ask you, uh, Patricia. Um, you know, I don't know if you're you're a single woman or not, but I am. Okay, so when you when you see other brothers, you know, um, in a uh, in a romantic situation, um, do you ever feel like they have like a certain way that they 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 put you in in a box because of it or you know I mean, like what is your your situation when it comes to that i can't really speak from experience i can only speak from what i see in others okay 
but I have noticed that not only when it comes to men and women and the battle of the sexes and whatnot, sometimes it's, to me, a cultural problem which spills into the romantic area. And when I say cultural, I mean, I, I think we are so diverse as a race that we don't even recognize that we are so incredibly different from each other, at least in Chicago, for example, from neighborhood to neighborhood. Like, it wasn't until I got to college that I started hearing this, these statements. So many of the young ladies were saying, um, black men ain't no good, and black men are dogs, and, and that sort of thing. And in my opinion, growing up, I always thought of black men as protectors. I, I've only seen uh, black men as, um, I mean, just the way I grew up, as as good, strong protectors. You can count on them. But am I seeing Paul Robeson? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and I, I was, I was really, what's the word? Baffled. Um, by this this attitude. This was back in the 70s. I was in college um, in the 70s, 74 to 78. And as I you know, grew up as a young adult, young lady, I, I did start noticing um, that when I went back, for example, to Woodlawn, the neighborhood I came from, which by then had become, I guess you could say, uh, in the news they called it mom, um, I had to steal myself and, and realize I'm going to hear some I'm going to hear some bad language and I'm going to hear some, I'm going to experience some really bad relationships. I, I noticed that they would go at it. The men and the women would go at it more so than, more, more than I ever realized. I, I saw women trying to bait men to hit them so they could call the police on and that sort of thing. It did not seem very romantic to me at all. And, and I do hope that there are lots of loving relationships in you know, in, in low-income communities. I assume that there are, but um, because poor people tend to live more out in public than middle-class people who tend to live more far more privately, um, I saw some really disturbing things I, I, I don't know how to address. Mm. So, yeah. I, I hope we all get to the point where we realize that Black men are wonderful. And I mean, that's my experience. I agree. Black men, black men to me are strong protectors. I can always count on them. I, I agree. And I, I say the same thing about our sisters. 100%. Oh, I thought you were saying black men are wonderful, can't they? I was just curious for a second. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I was saying that. Black men, are black men are wonderful. And uh, I'm one of those wonderful black men. On Well, on um, on Tuesdays, I'm wonderful. Uh, so um, let me ask you, now this isn't necessarily a racial thing, um, but uh, just as a man, um, do you think, do you, first of all, would you guys consider you guys, you, the men on this panel, would you guys consider yourselves nice guys? Yes. Yes. No. I'm situationally nice. It just, it really depends on the environment. <laughs> no. I, the, the distinction is it, there's an important distinction. You got nice guys, and you got good guys. Mm -hmm. A good guy, you know, doesn't want to hurt anyone else. 
but wants to live his life the way he wants to live it. And, you know, he's living in, in a, a righteous and honest way. A nice guy, nice guys can be problematic. Like most of your stalkers and serial killers, these guys are nice guys. They're And, and they're not very good mm -hmm. with women because the nice guy just wants to please whoever is in the room. He wants to please his boss. He wants to please his colleagues. He wants to please the girl he likes. He's, he's not doing what he wants. He's just being nice. And that's why being nice, that's why the whole nice guys finish last happens because you're, when you're being just nice, you're just trying to please everybody else. And people don't like that. You know, if you're being good, then you're not harming people. You know, you're standing up for, you know, you're standing, you're not going to let anybody beat up an old lady in the street. You know, you're a good guy. But a nice guy is a different thing. That's, that's really that's good. I, that, that's, that's how it's... I used to think they were synonymous. You just changed my mind. <laughs> you know what? That, I have to think about that. Yeah, that is, that's pretty good. Yeah. So let me add, let me re, let me reframe this then for all the men on the panel. Are you a nice guy? Or are you a good guy? Or are you an asshole? I'm definitely an asshole. Definitely. <laughs> I, I'm I'm like all three, but like like uh, Finn said earlier, it's, it's, I really do believe there's certain situations where you have to be the nice guy and you have to be the good guy. Then you got to be the hero, and then you got to be the asshole. I was gonna say, especially again, me in law enforcement, I can't be the nice guy, the good guy all the time. I have to be that asshole. You know, it depends on the situation. Okay, so um, how does that? being a good guy or an asshole or a nice guy um how do you think that's perceived coming from you as as a man as, I, I never i never think about how it's how it's perceived and and my and especially when, when what i do sometimes you have to be the asshole and be stern and say look this is the way it is this is the way it has to go i'm the boss if you don't like it you know what the door is you can't care about how they how they perceive it unless I mean, as long as it's not illegal or something like that, I, you, you really can't because then you're going to start to to rethink, oh, did I make the right decision? Does it go against my morals when you you, you got to go with that, that gut feeling? Then sometimes it's like, OK, even though I know you did, did something wrong, God said, give you grace. Right, that's the that's the good guy, and you and you and you let that slide, and you say, okay, make it up next time. This is a nice guy. It's like, okay, I'm I'm gonna hold the door because it's it's a it's a, a lady behind me. But it's it's, it's all different. I, I don't I don't care what what you think about it. It just has some some stuff just has to happen. It, it has to it has to be. I, you know, it's funny. I I, I often say this. Uh, I'd rather be perceived as an asshole than a nice guy. I don't what? like the nice. I don't like the nice guy tag. I think it's it's a terrible tag to get put on you as a dude. I, I, I now I like yeah. the good guy. I like good guy. You know he's a good solid dude. You know he's you know uh, I rather have that tag put on you. So I'm gonna start using that now. I'm totally stealing that. I can tell you're welcome, America. I can tell. I can tell what you're saying that you like. You know the company of women. That's right. It's one of it, here's the thing, right? Like there are just you know if you want to live in the friend zone, um, <laughs> then go ahead and be too nice. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? The good guy is not, the good guy is doing, you just get further. Like, this is the plan. This is what I want to do with my life. This is what I'm doing. And, you know, everyone can come along. I'm not going to stop you, but, you know, this is, this is the route. You know, this is my purpose. This is my path. And when you're nice, you don't, you don't follow your purpose in your path. You I think don't the... succeed. When you're too nice, you can't succeed because, you know, you want to do this. You want to start a, a bakery in Washington, D.C., but your friends don't think it's cool to be a baker, so you don't do it. Or, you know, or your woman doesn't think you should leave, you know, corporate America to, to open the bakery, which is your dream, so you don't do it. All Not only that, that. All of those things are being too nice. Not only that, she will call the nice guy for a ride to the asshole's house. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. absolutely. Snapple facts. <laughs> that's true. That that's true. Like if, if somebody if she says, Oh, you're really nice, I'm like, oh you know, I'd yeah. be like, Ugh, you know, I'm like, nah, nah. I'm see, put good, that's why I'm saying the good guy is perceived as an asshole because you know it's it, it's like, well, but you're not you're not doing what I want to do. Like, look. I don't want to do that. I'm mm -hmm. not going to stop, stand in front of the door and stop you from doing what you want to do, but I don't want to do that. And because I know I don't want to do that, then I, it's not happening. You know, so depending on where you're sitting, you know, at the table, you can, you can perceive that as an asshole. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. But I'm really just going the way I'm going. Yeah. And, and we, we all should. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that if you want to get ice cream, I'm gonna be like, screw you and your dream of getting ice cream. No, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, it, but oh, I'm talking in the in the big in the bigger picture in the big things in life. You have to go on your on your own path. Right. Yeah. I I that whole nice guy thing is is uh, one of the worst. And I and I always a lot of women will debate me about about that. And it's totally, it's totally true. Uh, very few. Now, I, I believe Patricia. Though, humans not. don't say, humans don't always, say, in conversations like this, humans say what they, what they mean. And I feel, you know, um, I feel a lot of times, you know, let's, let's get the, the me too out of the way, right? Mm -hmm. No means no at any right. point. However, not but. When you say but, you don't mean anything you said before that. <laughs> However, when you're, if you ask a woman what she's attracted to, and I, we have a woman on our panel, but, but times when you ask a woman, or you, you know, sometimes you ask a young woman what she's attracted to, she's going to say, I want a nice guy who does this, acts like this, says this. But you're like, well, we're friends, and your last three boyfriends were nothing like what you've just described, and you picked them. We, we get to pick who we're with. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? So, like, if you're a trap, for instance, if you're a... Uh, they're just levels. I've been studying something called hypergamy, or hypergamy, depending on who you're talking to. They're just levels, right? We're, we're in... Um, like, let's say a woman is 23 years old. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a guy, he is, you know... He he's he's a, a a nerd or whatever, and he's really trying to get with her, and she's just not attracted to him. But she really likes this guy, this other guy. He's a bartender. He he calls her back once out of every four times she calls or texts him, but 
she likes that. He's like free and he's wild and he's alpha male. And like, it's what you say you want, maybe. And men do it too. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a man likes a hot woman. You know, that's why women get confused, especially like doing all the matchmaking stuff. <clears throat> a woman is like, look, I'm a doctor and I've done this and I've done this. And it's like, listen, but a lot of men don't care about that. That's why a guy can be driving a Lamborghini, see a woman driving a Chevy Cavalier and actually holler at her. But see her on the bus stop. Lamborghini, I don't <laughs> care if you look like Denzel, Shamar Moore, whoever. A woman driving a Lamborghini is going to be like, listen, I'm in a Lamborghini and that dude is driving a Chevy Cavalier. That, you know, they, they start pulling out the evenly yoked stuff on you. Right. So, I've seen that. I've seen dudes in a Lamborghini talking to a girl on a bus stop. Of so, course, you know I, I won't. I won't do it. And can't they know that I have one? And I will not talk to you during the bus stop. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look, I'm. You know, it's not. It's not. It's not for everybody because, well, that's a whole. That's a whole other level with that disparity. You're worried about, you know, her cousin being like, "Word, mm -hmm. oh, oh, you with the dude with the Lambo? All right, cool. We got him next Thursday night." I mean, mm -hmm. you gotta stay on your p's and q's. But it, it, it's a, a very, like I always say, people are animals with driver's licenses. Like you can, you can figure out, if you know enough about human nature, you can figure out what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the reason why James Bond gets the girl is because he knows he's going to get the girl. He's seen this movie before and he knows he's James Bond. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you act like it's impossible in anything in life, if you don't, th I think it was Henry Ford who said, whether you think you can or you think you cannot, you're right. That's right. That's what it is. I like that. Yeah, you got you, you to gotta know. You had to see it in your mind's eye before it happens, right? So uh, there's there's one, one more, one last thing I want to get to before we say goodbye. And... Um, you know, when it comes to our general topic. And one of the reasons why I brought up the whole nice guy thing is, and you brought up a phrase that's often used a lot, uh, the alpha male or 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 uh, extremely masculine, masculine is, do the question I have for the, the fellas and also um, I have for Patricia, there's an idea that sometimes that uh, a black dude who is hyper masculine, whatever that is, or who's very macho or whatever, or or shows alpha male tendencies, um, might have to dial it back when it comes to uh, the work situation or whatnot. Um, it's funny though, in a relationship, there's one expectation, but maybe in corporate America or you know, in you know, in your field, you know, being that alpha male, that 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 brother, super masculine, you know, um, you know, just a real alpha uh, personality. A lot of times, you go to a lot of businesses, and you don't see those brothers working. You know, you see the metro brother, or you see the guy who's you know very effeminate or maybe homosexual. Sometimes it's almost like they're trying to weed out that model. You know, like, you know, they try to discontinue that model when it comes to brothers. 
And I often, and I wonder, because you guys are all, you know, uh, Aaron has his own business. Finn works in law enforcement. Uh, doc, you know, Dr. Five uh, does his thing. And you as well, Brooklyn. Do you ever, uh, I'm going to start off with uh, Brooklyn first. And then I'm going to ask, I'm going to end it with Patricia, but I ask the same question a different way. Do you guys ever feel like your alpha male tendencies need to be turned down in order to be successful in your your um, businesses, or do you feel like, or do you turn it up and just rock with it? I feel like you can't turn it down. I I can't turn it down because I mean the 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 alpha male is very um, the term is misused and misunderstood. It just mm -hmm. it it simply means um, the leader at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's it it that's why it's not always, you know, the biggest wolf or, you know, it's not always the biggest person or the smartest person or the strongest person. It's just the person who is the leader at that time. And often that leadership done properly, that leadership should be the person who makes sure everybody's OK. The person with the most empathy, that's supposed to be the alpha male, the way that it's um the way in modern society we talk about it, it's just the big jock who's going to beat you up if you don't comply. It's a bully. I mean, that's not that's not a true alpha male because that's like a, a one dimensional aspect. The alpha male is just the person who is, you know, trusted to lead the group right mm -hmm. now. That usually becomes pretty obvious pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that. And, and there's alpha there's alpha in each sex. There's alpha male, alpha female, you know, mm -hmm. and in some places in the animal kingdom, the alpha is usually the woman or the, the female of the species. So if I think about when you're the, the alpha, you need to do that. Like you get the most success, you know, when you are, when you're the alpha and you're in charge, you know what I'm saying? It's like, Hey, this is what we're doing today. And this is how we're doing it. You know, I mean, I'll hear what you're saying, but this is this is how we have to go. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's I think it's helpful. And when people turn it down, I feel like they turn it down to their detriment, in my personal opinion. No, I, mm. That's very on point. Very on point. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what about you? You're in law enforcement. Um, you know, do you do you? You know, can you be the real Finn, that asshole that you were just talking about, or or are you like a cute and cuddlier version of yourself? <laughs> well, I think I think like he said, it, it, it's it's almost situational. You know, I actually work in crime scenes, um, particularly. So when I get to a crime scene and it's my scene, then yeah, I'm alpha male. I'm going to tell you what what's up, what, what we're going to do. However, I think what's what people don't get is just because I'm alpha doesn't mean I can't take a suggestion or I can't consult you about you know what we can. What do you think, whatever, ultimately the final decision is mine, but I can come to you and say, hey, what do you think or what, what's a second opinion or so? So um, I think in that particular situation, I definitely take charge because, again, that, when it all falls back, it's on me. And I can't go to court saying, well, you know, she said we should do this or whatever. So you have to actually uh, you can consult others, but you have to actually make the final decision. You know, I, I this is so off the subject and I've always wanted to ask you this, Finn. Uh, as a guy who dates and stuff, do you uh, do you ever use the uh, the purple light to see if uh, your woman's been cheating? No, no, I don't do that. <laughs> I use the handcuffs though. The handcuffs. Come in. 
you know, that might be a useful tool to have, uh, you know, in your toolbox. That was real wild, can't they? I don't know what type of life you're living, but it's real wild. Right? <laughs> hey, you know, he got the little, you know, he does the little Dexter thing. I wasn't going to say it, but he said it. He does the Dexter thing or the CSI. Well, not the killing serial killer part. I was gonna say thank you. Making that clear. Okay. <laughs> Let me clear. Well, let's say CSI. That's better than uh, Dexter. He was a whole other thing. Uh, okay. What about what about you, Doctor Vibe? And then we'll end with Aaron. And then I want to ask Patricia a question, and we'll close it out. Um, Doctor Vibe, um, in your field, you said you work with a lot of brothers, uh, black people. So you wouldn't have to, but I imagine throughout your career, you you've maybe had to. Do you? Are you? The guy that you are, because you do have a, a a very you know an alpha personality. You're, you know, uh, um, do you ever have you ever felt like that you know it might be too much or we you know because this is this is phrase that I hear a lot attributed to us is I feel threatened, you know, especially because we're tall, you know, you, we're all tall guys, big guys, um, you know, I feel threatened. So do you ever feel like okay maybe I shouldn't come on so strong or whatnot, or which is naturally you, or do you just like, I'm Dr. Vibe, this is what I am. And if they can't deal with it, tough. Well, for me, it's an interesting phase as you, the other gentlemen were sharing there about alpha male. I think alpha male doesn't always have to be the one in the front of the line. Cause mm. sometimes you can be an alpha male when you give people power and let them grow. So, uh, mm. So I think being an alpha male for me, and I can only speak from my experience, depends on the situation I'm in. Like I have to mentor a lot of different men, black men. I The, the alpha male I am with a 17-year-old male who's just had twins is different than a 40-year-old man who's mm -hmm. had children. So this, again, it's another stereotype. A lot of people, when they think of alpha men, they think of strong, powerful, assertive. I'm not like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I shape my alpha maleness to the situation that I'm in. At the end of the day, I want the same results in those interactions that the, the man of color is better at the end than where he started. So for me, it's, I, again, I, have, I look at the situation and adjust the way I approach the situation based on evaluate experience, experience of others, and where that other person is at. So that's how I show my alpha maleness in different situations. It's not always the same. It's based on those different factors. And also, you could try to be an alpha male, and that person may just push back. So that ain't happening. Right, yeah, that happens. Yeah, that, that, that yeah, so, so, so you've really got to have a gauge of the situation. And, and a lot of times when I'm dealing with these brothers, the most important thing I have them to do when they first meet is tell me your story. Mm. And then when I hear their story, that's when I can activate the different characteristics of my alpha maleness to help them get to that next step. Yeah, alpha means passing the lead sometimes too. That's right, exactly. So, you know, one of the things I always remember is many years ago, I'm a college basketball head in the United from the United, in the United States. There was a, there's a coach named Mike Shashevsky of mm -hmm. the Duke Blue Devils. I remember I think I many years him. ago. I think I heard yeah, once once in a week, he's, he's he's a little bit successful. That's and, in my town. Remember, by the way. Pardon me. That's in my town, by the way, Durham. There you go. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I many years ago I saw him speak at an event, and he spoke for two and a half hours. He only spoke about basketball for 15 minutes 
And then, no, it was all good, Patricia, it was. And the thing I'll never forget, he said, is someone asked him, when do you do your best mentoring or coaching? He said, when my players coach each other. Right. Hmm. You, you know what's interesting? I I hate the Duke Blue Devils, but it's hard to hate. Whoa, 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 whoa. We can't be fan. We can't be friends. Big Duke fan. Yeah. And I'm from Michigan, so that says a lot. How you gonna be their fan when they beat the fan five? Hey, hey, I, I've been a Duke fan. Because he's a winner. That's why he's a winner, KK. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, I, it's hard to hate Shashevsky, but I don't like Because uh, when I first really got into college basketball, it was during the Christian Leighton era. Because uh, I like UNLV and the Fab Five. And they, those yeah. Were, so I've always held a grudge from from those years. But. But um, I'm, I'm going to go to Aaron, and then we're going to finish it off with Patricia, and then we'll say goodbye. Uh, Aaron, now you went from the basketball court and the uh, football field to the boardroom. So it's a different environment. Um, so was there anything that you took from what you learned from athletics into the boardroom, uh, or did you just say you just scrapped it and just went another way? Yeah, I took a, I took a, a few things. Um, like everybody has a, a position, everybody has a role. Everyone can't be alpha, can't be the leader. And a lot of times, some people don't want to be the leader, but a leader is always needed. So why not me? And and like Dr. Bob said, it's, I don't know if I dial it back, but I, I always tell people, don't come to me with a problem, come with a plan. Like I'm open to your suggestion. At the end of the day, I'm going to make what, what I think is the best decision about how to go about things, but I'm, I'm, I'm open to suggestions. I'm, I'm open to dialogue. As long as you come with that plan. If you come with a problem, well, you're just going to have to do what I, what I, what I think is best at that time. Hmm. But I don't, I don't think uh, leadership is, well, I don't think it's transferable really because you could be a leader in, in, in one thing. And then when you, go to another setting, you got to take the back seat. But you're known as that that alpha male, that that dominant person. But you, you go outside into the corporate world, corporate world and you got to play a whole different role than, than what you thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like what, what was the last part of it? Well, what was the first question you asked so I can answer that? Um, you know, just the idea of um, you, you know, you're six foot four, former football player. You know, you have an intimidating presence to to many, I'm sure. And um, do you are you conscious of that? Do you? Because some people use that as their hook to get things done. You know, they're the way that they're perceived physically. You know, so do you use that as like, okay, that's my maybe I can use that as an advantage and get some stuff done, or is that something that you you know, do you take the shack approach where I'm like, I want to show everybody I'm this cool guy that you know you no need to be afraid. No, well, if if you're afraid of me, that's that's your fault. That's not I'm not giving off that vibe to where you Agreed. have to be afraid of me. Like I'm not what what you think about me is really isn't none of my business. So if you're afraid, that's that's on you. But I'm not necessarily giving off that vibe either. That's that's just you, you look at me and see me as something that I'm not. I can't do anything about that. I'm not obligated to your insecurities. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not. 
And but I will say, um, we we all should be able to read personalities and, and, and read people. If I see that that might be my end, I'm gonna take it. Mm-hmm. Now I, I that goes back to the part about being an asshole. I don't know if it's being an asshole or not, but I am about getting the job done. So if that's what it's gonna take, <laughs> I'm gonna use it. And I'm I'm not gonna feel bad about it. That's your fault, not not my fault. You should have asserted yourself different. You should have you should have made me call you Mister instead of just giving me your first name. Because I'm gonna make you when I introduce you to me, it is Mr. Goins, not Aaron, because we're not on a first name basis. That changes everything. Mm-hmm. Mr. Goins, I love it. <laughs> and uh, and last but definitely not least, uh, Patricia, uh, the question I have is: we we talked about some brothers feeling a need to dial back their alpha maleness uh, or their masculinity in some cases, you know, um, in order to get ahead in this in the in the world. Um, speak to the you know there's this. The, we going back to the first question I posed is the spicy thing, the uh, you know sisters are spicy. They they're um, you know uh, a- attitude driven and stuff like that. What would you say to someone who is a sister who is in in a one of those fields as far as you know to you know to take an alpha position. Because you know, sometimes you you know, women need to take an alpha position when it comes to the to the boardroom or whatever it is. But this idea of, and it's not just in women in general too. Uh, this idea of, you know, you can be an alpha woman, you know, in a in a work environment, but also keep you know your femininity as well as uh, you know uh, uh, the perceptions that might be you know, negative about a woman doing that, specifically a sister? Well, I'm going to speak to both the female and male alpha from my observations. Now, I'm 62, and I've been wondering what happened to the bad boys and what happened to the alpha people. And I have a feeling that once you get in my age group, it... I'm just guessing, it seems that people mellow out. I don't see in my age group uh, alpha personalities, at least strong alpha personalities of the female or male gender because it seems to me leaders who are as old as I am have learned how to navigate through life and have had, um, you know, if they've been blessed with families, that's beautiful and they've learned to give and take, and they've learned to share, and they've learned to use their skills. They've learned to navigate the racial thing. And so I have, now I I can't speak to, I I can't give any advice to young people except be yourself and don't, I always like to tell young people not to accept the small world that people wanna confine them to. I noticed that black people in general, not just blacks, whites too, Hispanics, all kinds of people, they sometimes they, they I guess maybe it's trying to conform 
Mm -hmm. Maybe they're trying to please people. But my thing is, don't be afraid to learn something that's outside of the norm. Uh, don't be afraid to go a bit farther. Don't be afraid to ignore the stereotype and dispense, you know, dispense with it completely and go your own way. And I think maybe that's why by the time people get as old as I am, they're real cool. Mm -hmm. These are people I know. They're cool. That's a very good point. Very good point. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. I, I want to take a moment to thank you guys so much. This panel was awesome. Thank you very much. And, um, uh, you know, I think there was a lot of uh, great points that were made. Um, and hopefully the solution is just be yourself, be who you are, be true to yourself. And you can't go wrong with that. And if people don't like it or can't deal with you, that's their problem. You know, like I don't worry about it, like the whole eating watermelon you know, thing or the whatever it is that people perceive it is, you know, I don't worry about that kind of stuff. Um, you know, uh, I just be me, you know, because I, I think sometimes a lot of brothers and sisters, they try to I want to show how intellectual I am, you know, or I want to show that I'm smart or I don't know if you ever seen this one where a, a black person goes into like a, a store and they feel like they're being followed around. So they'll make a point to buy something from the store just to say, I got money. And I'm like, I don't do that. Like, that's gonna make me not buy, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if anything, I, you know, like I'm, you're not getting my money and treat me like crap. So, you know, and that's, to me, that's kind of an insecurity. Like, oh, I'm gonna show people that can't stand me that I can give them money. Like, you know, what is that? What's the whole purpose of that, you know? So, uh, but, you know, it's something that we all got to, you know, live through this, you know, every group has their own stereotypes that negatively and positively uh, affect them. And definitely we do. And it goes back a long time. And, you know, in one discussion, we're not going to solve anything, but, you know, it's an entertainment show. So hopefully the people found this entertaining. Now I want to, um, I want to, uh, uh, go back to you, Patricia. Uh, how can people get you on social media? Tell us about your program and your website and how we can get to it. Okay. Uh, well, the Durham Skywriter is actually an online newspaper for people who love Durham, North Carolina, or who live in Durham, North Carolina. Um, you can find it at durhamskywriter.com. Now, my show, TV Skywriter, which is done usually on Sundays, 7 p.m. Eastern, not always, because I talk to people literally from around the world. Um, but most of my views are replays. You know, most people don't drop everything and say, oh, my God, Pat's on the air. So um, I, I, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Actually, all you have to do is go to um, YouTube and just type TV Skywriter and my channel will show up. My, my channel name is my full name, Patricia A. Murray. And if you'd like to be a guest, because all the people on this show, I hope all of you get to be my guests. All of you are so wonderful, fascinating people, seriously. So if anyone wants to come on the show, I could easily be, be um, connected to by Twitter, at Durham Skywriter. All right. And, you know, anytime you want me. Or I'm sure I, I don't want to speak for the panel, but I'm sure them as well. I'll be more than welcome to come aboard. Just let me know. Anytime. Awesome. 
Definitely. Yes. You know, I never miss an opportunity Definitely. to chop it up with you, Patricia. So, all right. So, Finn. Thank you so much. How can uh, people get in contact with you? I don't think you use uh, Twitter much. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I, I don't know how to use Twitter. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm old. I, I tried. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm on Facebook all the time. It's Christian Wren. That's Christian, R-E-N-N, on Facebook. By all means, catch me up. Um, as well as UglyRadio.com. That's U-G-L-E-E radio.com um by all means uh tune us in we're 24 7 non-stop entertainment now i gotta say something i i'm, I'm in the 90s hip-hop so is, do you have any 90s hip-hop in your rotation oh by all means you know I, I, the 90s is my favorite genre i mean i could do 90s for six seven hours straight so i, I love check you out See, that's what I'm saying. Like that, you know. That's why I feel like I was like I can't be a DJ again, uh, because uh, you know I like old stuff. But uh, you know, the, there's a market. There I sneak it in. I, I I try to bring no offense these millennials on, and I have no problem with throwing some '90s in. And what's that? Who's that? Especially in the sense of when something's been sampled, I'll show you where the original song came from. You know? I, I remember uh, I played uh, old school DJ Quick, and. Uh, my young cousins was like blown away, like, "Oh man, that guy's good." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I got like, my it's, it's DJ Quick. You don't know uh, DJ. like what are they teaching you in school?" This <laughs> is a lot of Tupac now because of that. So, right. So it's like you know, it, it doesn't even seem like it was that long ago, but it really does. It was a long time. Ago. I had to tell myself it wasn't. I keep thinking it was ten years ago. No, brother, it was not ten years no. ago. <laughs> Yeah, Tupac's been dead for twenty-two years. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninety-six. That's bananas. I remember. I remember the night he died. That's bananas. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that is funny. I was driving home from New York to Detroit when he died. I remember that. Yeah, it's funny. Aaron was five years old when when Tupac died. That's that's crazy. Uh, but uh, I know Aaron keeps his ear to the ground, so he knows who Tupac is. Right. You know, yeah, I, I want to talk on something real quick, though. Um, uh -huh. When you talked about the whole classes, I think that's an issue, especially when you mentioned Tuwak, is that we get an issue. We've been um, conditioned to have that crabs in a barrel mentality. Right. You know, and you hear people all the time, Biggie versus Tupac, and it's like they have to down one to right. like the other. And we're the only culture that does that. You know, I see people talking about empire versus power. You know, and back in my day was Whitney versus Janet Jackson and stuff. And I hate the fact that we have to down one and like the other. You know, you don't yeah. see other folks saying Seinfeld sucks because Friends was good. You don't see Latin's going, well, Pitbull's okay, but uh, Daddy Yankee sucks, you know, and it's really terrible that, that we as a culture can't appreciate one without downing the other. I do take yeah. her. Yeah, I do. Great point. Before I do take... Show, Kente and I were talking about um, Kobe and LeBron, and it's like, they don't even play the same position. Why <laughs> exactly. You know, and they're not even on the team at the exactly. same time. Why can't they both be great? Exactly. That's it. But we, we, we do that to ourselves, that whole crabs in a barrel. We do it to ourselves. No other culture does that. None. Uh, they, I would, I yeah, would, uh, but I they would, really do. I yeah. would rather watch Seinfeld over Friends, though. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. All right. So, Aaron, uh, are you there, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. I'm still here. I just had it on mute. Oh, okay. Now, how can we get you in social media? And um, uh, uh, I know you have a book that's coming out, too. Yes, yes. I have a book, Cats and Elevators. It's definitely coming out. Um, don't know when. This year, though, it's definitely going to be out, Cats and Elevators. And can tell you definitely getting a signed copy because you always show love and, and, and support. Um, 
but you like always you can reach me mr wake up better on all social media um you can facebook me aaron gowans i would typically respond <laughs> as long as it's not too crazy <laughs> i would i would respond <laughs> yeah and I would love to be on your show too, Patricia. Absolutely. Um, I, just, I just took notes here. I'm gonna definitely hit you up for real. And um, and I do remember when Tupac uh died. I do remember what I was what I was doing when Tupac died. It was uh, it was actually nighttime for me, and it came on uh, it came on the, the TV. Mm. Even Biggie. I remember when Biggie died, and you know my my father played uh, piano for Bad Boy. So he was running around the house saying, "What are we gonna do now? What are we gonna do now?" Because <laughs> he, he he knew he knew Big, so he was uh he was really really heartbroken. And I, I, don't, I don't be an asshole, but let's not say died. Let's say they were killed. They were murdered. Yeah, they were, they were yeah, murdered. yeah, they, yeah. They were murdered. But I didn't, I didn't want to just say they they got shot. Actually, I actually the night Biggie died, I walked by the crime scene because I because uh, where I grew up is right around the corner of the crime scene. I'm actually by it right now. And I walked by it, did not, I did not know that he had died there until the next morning. So it's uh, the Peterson um, Auto Automotive um, Museum, which is right down the street from here. Um, and I got to go there. Y'all want to know something, something crazy? They kept the car that Tupac was murdered in, and it just sold for a million dollars. Isn't that some sugar honey? It's a BMW 750IL. That's right. And it sold for a million dollars. Wow. I don't yeah, know. I don't think I'd want that car. Even, even in death, mm -mm. They, they, they steal from us. Even in death. <laughs> I know, right? That's mm -hmm. that, is, that is the worst. That's okay. bananas, man. Uh, so um, I, I've saved. Uh, oh, I want to thank Dr. Vibe. Uh, he had a computer crash. I was hoping that he came was able to come back on, but. Uh, definitely check out uh, Dr. Vibes' uh, content. Um, you can uh, you can get him on Twitter uh, at uh, Dr. Vibes. Uh, that's D R Vibes Show. So make sure you check him out. He's awesome. He has great conversations uh, with a lot of different really cool people. And uh, definitely make sure you guys check him out. All right, so uh, last but definitely not least, I want to thank Mr. Brooklyn Taylor for uh, coming on the program. Um, first of all, how can people get you in social media? How can they find out about the Car Club as well as um, uh, is the 42% um, done? And um, also, uh, what else can we be on the lookout for you? And yeah. Um, you can catch me at Twitter at at Brooklyn PCB. Uh, you can catch me on Instagram at King underscore underscore Brooklyn. Catch me on Facebook. That'll be easy because I'm friends with Kente already. So you just <laughs> do mutual friends, grab me on there. Um, I have a Tumblr. My Tumblr is Brooklyn Taylor Tech. And so that's Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram. Um, you know, hit me up. Uh, it's been an honor and a privilege being with all of you tonight. Um, Pat, I'd love to be on your show. Wonderful. Um, okay. And and everybody else, you know, feel free to holler. I'm in Maryland. Uh, my folks are up in New York City. Um, you know, so, you know, we've got property down in Jamaica. So if you guys are ever in D.C. Jamaica, Queens or Jamaica, Jamaica? 
Jamaican island. Oh, okay. Okay. So, you know, um, holler at me. <laughs> they might steal my woman in Jamaica. And, and I'm on uh, Facebook. I forgot to mention I'm on oh. Facebook, too. Um, you can okay. either follow me at Patricia A. Murray or Durham Skywriter. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, in Brooklyn, I wanted, I'm going to do a show about dating in 2018, and I got to have you on um, because, you know, uh, it's definitely different than 1995 when I graduated from high school. <laughs> so, you know, with the it uh, is. with the social media is. aspects and the online dating, I remember I, I was dating this girl and someone asked me, how'd you meet her? And I said, I was, you know, I was at the grocery store or something. That's when I met her. And they were like, the person literally looked at me and said, "You met her uh, like in person, <laughs> like, 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 wow. like that. Like people don't even do that anymore. Like, what? That's crazy. Like you walked up to yeah. a girl and talked to her. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's like a so you didn't send now. you didn't send her a text, <laughs> right? No, it's a superpower it's a, it's a super now because you know I, I've got I've got you know young friends and they'll say stuff like he followed me on Snapchat and it's like. So, like that, like that's the score. Like that's not. You used, you know, you used to be in the mall, get a get a number, and get a hook up a date for later, or go on an instant date, and it was like a, it was, it was a good thing because you actually did something. Now, like a girl likes you in your photos, and you know, you supercharge. I'm like, that's not a result. Like nothing happens now. A married woman could like your photo. I mean, right. Oh, I forgot to plug. Um, BMW Car Club of America.org is where you can find the BMW stuff. Uh, my chapter is National Capital Chapter. That's DC, Maryland, Virginia. That's NCC, BMWCCA.org. Um, you don't have to own a BMW to join the BMW Car Club of America. That's my next question. Like, says, like, I got a grill. It's my pay grade. I work for the city of Detroit. I can't afford a BMW. I got a gremlin. I got a gremlin. Does that, uh, does that count? I have a key. <laughs> no, I don't have a gremlin. All right, <laughs> uh, you could get me a Kente. We actually, my family did have one back in the day. But, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter. You can go to our website, IndyRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. Uh, like I said, our, our next program will be about dating in 2018, and we need uh, we need to give some advice to. Uh, shoot, I would say the, the youngins, but shoot, there's old cats like me that uh, that needs uh, needs to know how to navigate these waters. So uh, definitely, I like to uh, to to bend your ear as well as the rest of the the people who comes on the show to talk about this uh, this uh, dating in 2018. So. Um, let me know, man. I'm, anything for you, I'm there. Oh, uh, that's what's up, man. All right, so you guys have a great rest of your week. God bless, and we'll see you next time right here on. Uh, Thank you. Martin. Have a great night. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Welcome to the Total Wireless Store, where total confidence awaits. I need a smartphone with an awesome camera. Got anything to fit a new dad's budget? Don't worry, you got this with Total Wireless. And now you can get $50 off on select phones $99 and up. My relatives won't miss a thing. Now you can focus on the important stuff, like diaper duty. Discover the Total Wireless Stores and get total confidence. The latest phones, the best network, all at great prices. Now open in LA. Limited time offer in 63018. Available while supplies last. Porting required for a non-track phone brand. Offer only available at Total Wireless Stores. Visit store for details.